What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 256 of Two Amazon Sellers and a Microphone, brought to you by Solozo. And today we're we're really excited about our guest. Uh, we've been wanting to get him on for a while now. Uh, Yanni Kosminski is joining us, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things, but uh, most importantly, what do you do with your e-com business in a bear market, which is very relevant right now. Uh, so, Yanni, thanks so much for joining us. How are you, man? Dustin, mate, thank you so much. And Chris for having me. I'm fantastic. I'm stoked to be here. Excited to talk about the topic. And I got to say as well, this is the first time I'm recording a podcast on a stand-up desk. And I feel like you just bring that much more energy to it. And Chris, I feel like you are too. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when, you, <laughs> when you stand up, I don't know what it is. When you stand up, you're like more engaged. You feel like you're in it more than you sit down. It just, something's different when you stand up. Yeah, I know. I got to get one. We had one at our old office before the pandemic took all that away. And I've been sitting down. And I, I, I'm jealous of your get guys. on your feet, man. Get on your feet. I, I, I <laughs> you, do, you just see my waist. That's it. Uh, but yeah, the stand up desk is like on my list of things to buy because it's uh, yeah, you get more energy. Get to move don't, around. Don't don't feel bad, Dustin. I literally got one two days ago for the first time, and I'm now realizing the benefits, and it's it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I know. I got I got to realize those also. But uh, man, we are we're really excited to to have you on. Uh, there's lots that that we can talk about. You're a very very busy person. Clearly, uh, you've got a lot of things uh, going forward. But I, I want to start for anybody who's tuning in or listening right now and does not know you. Uh, let's start with a little bit uh, of your background and how you got into the the whole e-commerce space and, and what you're doing right now. Yeah, sure, sure. I'm going to try and uh, get through this so we can get into the meat of it. But yeah. I think, obviously, it helps to paint a bit of a picture of you know sure. why we can talk about the topics we do. So I spent a little over a decade in creative advertising and digital marketing. That's sort of what I did when I was cutting my teeth and growing up in, in the space. And the time that I'm talking about was when there wasn't social media for brands even. So I launched Mercedes-Benz, Australia, New Zealand's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest. Um, you know, Unfortunately, I'm talking to a couple of Americans here, not because you guys are American, but because you wouldn't know what Mondelez, Kraft Foods are, Cadbury Dairy Milk, Boost, Freddie Fry, Frog, Cherry Ripe, like huge confectionery brand, just not massive in the US. But anyway, that was sort of my... My upbringing, I grew up in Australia. I was, I was there until about 2016, 17. And while there, you know, that was everything from web design to development to UX, UI, content production, creative strategy, um, you know, sort of the, the, the works here, SEO, PPC. I was the largest Facebook media buy in Australia for a couple of years for Mercedes-Benz. And it was pretty cool having... Mercedes Benz and Facebook fight over who I got to go to the Grand Prix with first. So <laughs> that, that was a that was a pretty nice time. Anyway, um, I moved to to Los Angeles and lived there for three years, doing similar work in the creative advertising space. I was an agency there, working with the likes of Sony, Mastercard, um, Medtronic, and always, I guess, like for context, guys and girls listening in, like I was always small agency with big clients. So. I was the 10th employee in Australia. We grew to about 30 and I was the 15th in LA and we grew to about 45. And so I always had the opportunity working with sort of really high um, or large enterprise clients where, for example, with Medtronic, if we were producing content, 
we had to produce it two months out, go through all the medical board approvals and get through that. So I sort of was familiar with what it was like to go through that corporate environment and walk through the cubicle farms, as I like to call them, which gave me the heebie-jeebies. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but ultimately, I found my way uh, to Israel about six years ago. Here, I met a couple of guys who had an Amazon business. They were doing about $2 million in revenue and had gotten stuck. And in 12 months, I was able to build a team out of the Philippines and I would argue more high-level agency than I'd ever worked with, even with the clients that I'd worked with. And we took that business from 2 to $5 million. It was acquired by Thrasio. And on the back of that, just realized that there was a lot that could be done to help e-commerce sellers professionalize their business for a lack of a better term. And so... Built Multiply Me, which is high-end executive search and HR into the Philippines. So, so less sort of VAs that will be a jack of all trades and a master of none, but high-level talent that are delivering PPC or brand management or account management or UX research, you know, roles that were very clearly defined. We have a Scala that started six months later that is a process improvement management consultancy where we build systems for e-commerce businesses doing anywhere from about a million dollars to $120 million would be the largest business that we've touched. And the last business that we just launched in August is a joint venture with Sellers Funding and Global Wired Advisors, where we set up a $50 million facility to invest in e-commerce businesses to accelerate them to exit. So take a breath, maybe a sip of water here. And uh, that's, uh, that's me. <laughs> I, I want to go, and I know Dustin has questions, but I want to go to that, uh, the time that you went to Israel and you met the the, the six uh, Amazon sellers, and you said you scaled them from two to five. But your previous uh, your previous adventures, it was all about marketing. But you built the system to go to from two million to five million. Where did you learn about like VAs and how to do all that and like get systems in place? Where did that come from? Yeah, so I worked with people around the world. You know, probably over the last ten years. I'd also, I mean, I skipped over it. Um, there's lots of less successful ventures. I would say for any entrepreneur who's sort of going through it, you know, you didn't just wake up one day and, you know, you have this great success. So I was running at different points in time. I was consulting for a period of time. And so I built freelance teams from creative resources to project management to development using Upwork probably as early as sort of 2014, 15 kind of era, era and sort of saw the different skill sets that existed. What really happened was, you know, this was 2017. I really started working heavily uh, with freelancers, particularly in the Philippines, and just really changed my perspective and what was possible. I hired this woman, Joan, who was, you know, really the first high level person I've ever worked with in the Philippines. And she was coming in to be a project manager. I looked at her resume and I was like, not in a million years, you're way overqualified for this. And she sort of explained anyway, long story short, we started working together and she was just on a different level. And it was in that moment that I realized it wasn't just VAs that existed on onlinejobs.ph, which I like to call the gateway drug to the Philippines. <laughs> there's, you know, there's, there's some seriously talented people with 120 million uh, as their population, 95% that work with remote environments in the business process outsourcing space, BPO are college educated or higher. And obviously the cost of living is, you know, depending on where you live, 50 to 80% less than what it is in the US. It's probably 98% less than where I live in Tel Aviv, the most expensive city in the world. It was just uh, named. 
yay, yay me. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was where I sort of stumbled uh, upon it in any real serious capacity. And so, like the whole multiply me business model was really built inside of an Amazon, uh, an e-commerce business, and that was that was really the catalyst. We sort of built it on the small scale, and you know, how did I learn? I guess Chris to to approach scaling an Amazon business and go through this process. I mean, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the truth of it. I came in with these guys and said, forget everything you're doing on Amazon. Let's build a D2C brand. That's what I know how to do. I know how to build brands. I know how to drive traffic. I'm buying media, Facebook, you know, the works. This is what I'd done. I, you know, I've personally been responsible for spending tens of millions of dollars on, you know, on media as in me actually doing the physical buying it was about a week into working with these guys where I'm looking through sort of the PPC reports inside of Amazon. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's come a long way, particularly in the last sort of two or three years and how many more ad units, DSP mm -hmm. and everything that's been sort of rolled out inside of Amazon. But back then it was pretty rudimentary. And I sort of said to, I said to the guy, one of the original co-founders, like something doesn't add up here. Like I'm looking at the numbers and I'm seeing like conversion rates of like 20%. And he said to me, yeah, it's a little low, you know, wait until we hit Q4, it goes up to like 60, 70%. And I said, forget everything I've told you about building data C. <laughs> I'm wrong. You guys are right. We're going to focus all our attention. And so effectively what I did was I built an agency for this business and took sort of two, three guys that were running around sort of trying to figure it all out into really professionalizing that operation. And, you know, what we do in Escala far exceeds anything that I could ever produce myself we've got a you know 35 full-time management consultants who are way more intelligent than i am but that, that was sort of the catalyst gotcha. I, uh, uh, to get uh, sorry i got oh no, you go uh, chris go for it uh because I, I got a two-part question here so you know getting to two million is a, a goal in itself right is an achievement of itself but getting to the five million is another is another really really good goal to get to but a lot of sellers can't even get to that two million what what what's the what's the missing piece there? I mean, what what are we what are sellers doing wrong to get not to be able to get to that two million? Like, what what do they need to do in order to get to you know seven seven plus figures uh, in, in their business? How long we got, Chris? I know, man. I know. I know that's a loaded question. I know that's no, a loaded no, question. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's it, it's very fair. And and let me caveat everything that I'm gonna share with you right now and saying I have been a victim of this myself. So I'm not coming here being holier than thou, saying like, why are you guys doing? Like I, I was doing all of this stuff myself, and it's only through my learning, education working with you know mentors working with really capable people and and honestly i'd say like understanding that none of us not one of us on this call or anyone listening to this podcast has all the answers and i think once you can remove uh humility or you can be you know you, you can have humility and be you humble. can actually yeah and be humble and realize that you know where everyone is just trying to figure it out um and is and you're open to feedback and and improvements that's that's when you start to see the real growth. So, so coming back to it, you know, what is it to, to, to get to seven figures? I think like one of the principles or, or a few of the things that we talk a lot about inside of Escala from a, being a process improvement management consultancy is how many, I mean, how many SKUs do you guys have live right now? Plus minus? 25-ish. Uh, 25, right? Yeah, 40. So 
So 25 and 40, right? Do you guys have a a hero product or two or three that are really performing far better than that other 22? Yes. Yeah, no doubt. Do you guys give the same level of love and attention and resource to all 40 and 25 of your products respectively? No. No. Okay. So let's start there. Let's start there from, from that component. So being able, you, you know what to do, right? You, you understand how to build a winning formula. You've clearly had success in the products. And obviously, not every single SKU that you launch is going to be 100% winner. And the keyword research and the rankings and the ability to, like, it, it, it's not a, it, it's not going to be 100% equal or far from it for that matter. But if you were able to build out a system that compi- that brought in your people, process, and technology, to building perfect harmony with every single product that you launch gets the same level of attention, time, and resource, then you either say six months on, three months on, 12 months on, I've done everything I can. It's not a winner. You know, I'm going to liquidate or wind it down or, or, or let it run. So I'd say a couple of things here. One, you know, let's take the ego out of the room. I think a lot of sellers think that they need to be the decision maker in every single decision that needs to be made. The first thing that I would say, or one of the things that we preach, and particularly my co-founder Lippy is always saying, if you can build a process whereby someone else can get to 80% of where you'd like to get it, delegate it. You shouldn't be doing that task anymore. So the first thing is being able to delegate and effective delegation or how we look at effective delegation is really an ability to delegate accountability and responsibility not tasks. So a lot of people are working with VAs. I'm just going to rant here and you guys jump in at any point. This is good. Um, good. So so a lot of people take the approach when they're going to work with VAs and and things and and people of that nature and say, right, like I've got this laundry list of items. I need you to do it. You build the list, you build the process, you build, you know, a a version of your SOPs and the training videos and the loom videos and, and off you go. And what ends up happening to all of us when we build it that way an hour, you know, maybe not an hour, let's say a week goes by, two weeks go by, I finish all my tasks, boss, what's next? Or worse, I'm not telling you, I got the clock running and I'm going to charge you for those hours that I'm not really, you know, kicking my feet up. Now, if you attach that to a defined outcome, so let's say product researcher, your goal is to find me five products a month that, I, that look interesting, which I'm going to whittle down to three products a quarter that I'm going to plan to launch, right? If the, if the delivery mechanic was tied to that accountability and responsibility of finding me those five products and defining the parameters of what those products may or may not look like, that's how you're going to remove yourself from that bottleneck around the decision-making component. And that's true for every aspect of, of your business. So how we also look at it, you know, a lot of people look at their, their org chart what we really like to layer on and one of the things we really preach is is building the accountability chart. So another fundamental mistake I would say people, and again, I'm talking for businesses that already have, let's say, three, four, five, ten uh, team members, right? You know, if it's just you at home by yourself um, working on your, on your business and growing that, it, let me take a step back as well. You don't need to hire three, four, five, ten people. That's not what I'm suggesting here, but... As soon as you have products live, as soon as you're getting to a point where 
you know, the business is growing and maybe it can sustain a level of, you know, paying. And I'm talking, you know, $5 an hour, $10 an hour and having someone in for 10 hours a week, 40 hours a week, whatever that looks like, as soon as the business can afford to pay that, I'm always looking to buy more time because it's the only commodity that I really care about personally that I'm not getting any more of. So, you know, right now, full disclosure, like our business, we have nearly 400 people on payroll. We have all these other things going on. We're at about break even, you know, like there's no reason. We're, we're only, we're about three years in. There's no reason why I need to be making wild profits right now because I'm trying to buy as much time as I can to put myself in, you know, what I would define, and I didn't coin this term, but, you know, my unique ability, I think, is uh, EO or, uh, um, uh, you know, one of those sort of communities language or like in my zone of genius or, or something to that effect. So I'm always looking to buy more time through delegating through that accountability and responsibility and bringing in people now who are far smarter than I am, who are way better in areas that, you know, I just should never be touching. And that's like finance, like don't. Don't oh, let gosh. me touch your finances. <laughs> yeah. I will ruin your business. There's three of us here for that one. Yeah. It's so, all- so, so that's a couple for you. I mean, I, I can keep rattling them off, but let's maybe. Well, I like how all. you, I like how you broke it down. Like, you know, Dustin, and I both have like a handful of products that are our hero products, but the remaining, you know, 80% of them, we don't really put that much effort into them just because the other 20% or whatever are, are doing all the, all the sales. So when, when you break it down, it's more like project-based where you're looking at like your job is to optimize these 10 SKUs, get them to a certain number of sales per month rather than just be my listing optimization. Like you, you set defined goals when, when trying to get, or when trying to hire a VA, you have, you have to have a, you have to have a goal in place before you just start hiring VAs. Absolutely. So you should always be hiring for your business needs and not just because you find a really great talent and you try and, you know, reverse engineer and plug them into the business. That's like, what I've done. That, that's what sucks is you, I, I see somebody who has really good reviews and they're like a rock star and I get them in here and it's like, there's not enough work for them to do or they don't need that. They, they're way too qualified. This is not enough. They don't, they don't fit well. Cause I don't have the right process in place for them or I don't, I don't have the right goal in place for them yet. It, it, it's, it's kind of frustrating. So, so I'll tell you how you can find your way around that or, or how you can sort of take a step back and, and look to bring in the right freelancer or the right full-time yeah. uh, team member, whatever that looks like. How we like to approach it is what we first do when we're looking to achieve. So actually, let me take a step back. We'll talk about how you solve for that problem. Before we go into that, I just wanted to sort of take you through. And again, my background was working in agency land. And that's really, that's, that is selling on Amazon is, you know, building an agency. They're, they're, they're one in the same in terms of like, you need someone, you know, at the start, it's probably you who's a jack of all trades that's doing everything from keyword research to PPC to listing creation and optimization to maybe even jumping on Canva to do the design work all the way through to the demand and inventory planning, dealing with, you know, compliance, all of it, all mm-hmm. of it right? Now, when you look at sort of the agency model, uh, and, and, and I think one of the most valuable things I learned, and, and again, I learned, I learned a lot in my experience of what not to do and, and how not 
you know, how things didn't really gel the way they could have. And that was through sort of poor systems. So one of the most integral roles inside of any agency that's going to run well is going to have, they're either going to be called a, a traffic manager or, you know, a senior pro project manager, the person who is responsible for all of the internal resource and demand planning. So we used to run it where every Monday morning we'd have a stand-up meeting. Everyone the week before had to come in and estimate how much time allocation they would need from different resources to the best of their ability, understanding, you know, being in the game for a while and understanding what things typically take, taking it to the traffic manager and then them sort of working together and understanding like delivery time needs to be by this date. So I have this videographer and this photographer and this creative designer and this art director and this creative director and all these resources. So working backwards. So I'd say when we, when we look at how do we actually build out our business to not just hit our top three SKUs, but hit all 25 or all 40 of them, then what I'm doing is, and you guys will know straight away, plus minus, what does it take you to, you know, bring five high value images to market for your, you know, your, your, your main image and then all the supporting images, you know, you, you have a, an understanding around a keyword research, you know, how many hours is that? So you sort of build the books of what it's going to take and then you start to fill and plug in those different individuals and all of a sudden, you know, it starts to be very clearly defined like, okay, I'm not going to get through all 40 of my products in one week, but over the course of a two-month period, I'll be able to absolutely juice all of them, giving them all the love and attention, having someone like a project manager actually running this for you. So I'd say, and what I say to a lot of uh, people when, when we sort of get into this level of detail is I think the most valuable, most underrated role in any business project manager, especially for entrepreneurs who are so shiny object syndrome, next thing, next business, you know, and I'm the most guilty person here. I'm running three businesses at uh, one time here. You know, I've also got technology in the background that we're not even talking about yet. But the point I'm making is we're all, we're, we're all guilty of it. But if we can build out that planning, then you're able to achieve significantly more when you sort of step your way through all the resources and all the planning sort of three months out, six months out. And, you know, obviously the further out it gets, the less clear you are on how that actually looks and operates. But I mean, it's, a, it's an absolute game changer to get that level of clarity. One thing I see when hiring VAs is you'll get somebody that's like, I'm a listing optimization expert and I do PPC and I do inventory and I can do cases for it. Like they do all of it. And, and I'm almost to the point, I just want like a PPC guy and I just want an inventory guy and I just want whatever it is. Is that the same type of structure you're seeing? Like when you, when you get, when you're hiring VAs and when you're building the team, get the person that don't, don't go after everybody who knows everything and all the business, get somebody who's an expert in each individual section. Yeah. So yes, with the caveat that, you know, let's, let's take the typical journey. And I would even say if I had my time again with multiply me and Escala uh, in terms of how we've built out like our marketing function, we've got 15 odd people inside of our marketing function. And, you know, that's a pretty heavy cost when it comes to recurring headcount costs, even though our team's mostly based out of the Philippines, you know, we're still talking, $30,000, $40,000 a month that we're, we're injecting. And what I would say to anyone who's going through that process is it actually pays you to spend a little bit more 
to leverage an agency, whether it's a PPC agency or a full brand management agency or a creative studio, whatever that looks like, learn, learn much cheaper, uh, more expensive as a pure cost basis on the upfront, but the lessons you'll learn in how they run it, particularly when you think about ad management, I mean, you, they're literally jumping into your ad platform. You're going to see how they're structuring campaigns. You're going to understand how, what they're buying for. Maybe you don't understand all the keyword research, but you know what? You're smart enough to start your business and get to this point. You're going to figure it out and you're going to figure out also potentially ways that make more sense because you live and breathe your brand. So, so I'd say from a starting point, you know, leverage experts. And I'm saying this as well, 100% candidly, and I give this feedback to a lot of people who get on it, who want to chat to me about hiring someone through Multiply Me. And we only place full-time dedicated talent into other businesses. That's the, that's the model that we built for Multiply Me. And so I'll say, listen, like f- as much as I'd love to work with you, if we don't, if this doesn't work out, like if we don't find someone that actually sticks and adds value to your business, then we actually end up losing money because of how we've built our model. So I will, I will personally connect you with agencies and say, this is a good fit for where you're at come back to me when you feel really confident that you're ready to bring it in-house and you get to that level. So I just say like incrementally sort of take those steps. You don't need to take a plunge. And if you've never managed someone before and you don't understand how to build, you know, performance management and reviews and how to actually build an onboarding plan and all of these things, then it can become very overwhelming. And, you know, Chris, kind of to your point, you're like, hi, this person never ends up working out just the way I wanted it. I mean, there's just like a few of these elements that I can actually step into now into how you actually find what do you actually need. Um, so I'm just going to segue myself into that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just uh, I, I just I, I enjoy like uh, finding VAs and I enjoy getting a team together. Like my booking, my bookkeeper I've had for years now. Like, and I enjoy that relationship. I've got an inventory guy. And, and once you find somebody, you're like, okay, this is perfect. Like uh, they, they know what I want. I don't have to get, I'm really bad at giving like direction. I'm like, Hey, I need five images for this skew. You figure it out. Right. Like, you know what you've done in the past. I don't need, don't send me like revisions. Just you figure it out and let me know when you're at like, so I'm really bad about that part. But once you get somebody, it's nice to keep them in house and you want to keep them for as long as you can because uh, because they they kind of know how you work now and, that, and that's the tough part absolutely absolutely well i mean we can talk about how you build incentive programs and things that help help retain based on performance and i think that's a really smart move but yeah. coming back to it i mean you said you got a great relationship with your bookkeeper and that's something that works right 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 you you had a very specific need for your business and that was i don't want can i swear here um i don't yeah. want to deal yeah yeah <laughs> I don't want to fucking deal with my books. It's the worst. It's the absolute worst thing. In I'd rather neck myself. Um, but but ultimately, ultimately, there was a, a there was an objective. There was a mission that you're trying to solve for. That had a defined outcome, and they need to have specific attributes to perform that. And off you go. You found your goal. Whereas if you are sitting there and you're sort of like spraying and praying, hoping that you find this, you know, absolute unicorn, which I've looked. They don't exist. They're, they're not around. Um, but but uh, if someone finds one, I'm 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 all ears or eyes. <laughs> but 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 ultimately, um, we leverage a lot of who the A method for hiring. That's the methodology that we built in 
to our multiply me framework. So we've got a few different models, but one of them is called our talent accelerated pr program. And inside of that, we build onboarding first 90 days, how to approach uh, the performance reviews, the cadences, the KPIs the to help like equip people with how to be better managers. And I think that's most of the battle is how to be a better manager. And, you know, yeah. again, I, I say all of this as someone who is guilty of making all the same mistakes. So, you know, I'm just like everyone else. I'm just, and I think like all of us entrepreneurs, we're trying to solve for problems and gaps we see in the market. So in, in who the A method for hiring, um, which is really cool. I had Dr. Jeff Smart who wrote that book on my podcast recently. And it was amazing to sort of hear. What was that, what was that book called? What was that book it's called? called, it's an old book. It's called Who? The A Method for Hiring. They interviewed, I think, well over a thousand high uh, performing like um, professionals that were in managerial roles and they built this methodology on the back of it. But inside of it, inside of uh, this methodology, when they're looking to, before you go to job description, you know, what's the typical thing? You jump online, you know, digital marketing manager, Indeed comes up, you download the job description, you, you edit like three years experience to 10 years experience, which doesn't exist as well. And all that stuff, you know, you do all these dumb things and you don't really know what you're getting because you, you're just putting out like what the job description is. If you take a step back and you start with what is the mission? So in three, you know, no more than three lines, two to three lines, what, what does success look like if this person is involved? And let's say, for example, we're talking about, creative you know let's talk about uh, let's say you have a thousand SKUs or you don't even know that many let's say you have 50 SKUs and you, you th you're thinking of bringing on a designer you know their mission is to create beautiful images that will help sell the product and you know put the brand on you know in the level of the top one percent of brands on Amazon something like that you know something really short to see now in order to achieve that mission you need to define the outcomes so you know being able to use photoshop and illustrator at a whatever level you know being able to understand brand uh language and you know how ebc flows things like that again i'm really just shooting from the hip here and so once you sort of set three to eight outcomes that would help you achieve that mission then the final stage in this is you build the attributes so what characteristics does this person need to have in order to be able to perform these outcomes that will ultimately result in you achieving your mission. And only then do you move in to the job description, but that actual framework, so that mission outcome attributes, draw a line on the side of it, put down comments and do another line and put down rating. And so when you're going through it, every candidate that you're interviewing, you're asking them the same questions to understanding where they fit you're giving them a score from one through ten or a through f whatever you know whatever you want to whatever scoring system you want and then at the back of it you have comments and so if in most cases you'll have someone that scores the highest and it becomes a no-brainer decision you know it's not like i rocked up yesterday i had an interview and i've done like 10 back-to-back -back meetings and at the back of today i had another interview but i can't really remember the candidate from the week prior you know and again I used to walk into an interview, pick up the resume or the portfolio. I would be lying if I said it was more than five minutes prior to the interview because I was on another call. <laughs> and, you know, depending on the mood I was in, depending on how I vibed with the person would dictate if I hired them. And, you know, I've realized over the years that's not good for the business. So Oof. coming back to, to the start, 
defining that mission outcome and attributes that are going to be successful for your business and not just because you vibed with a person and they felt like a fit. That's a massive uh, bonus and benefit if, if you know, that, you know, culture is a whole different topic of conversation, but, you know, it, it fundamentally shifts the way in which you build out your needs and your resources to actually help you scale your business. I really, I really like that. Uh, I mean, that your everything you just said brought me back to the very first VA that I hired a long time ago. Just like you mentioned, um, I was just looking for a good quality person. I get, there was no, there wasn't anything specific. I mean, I had tasks that I needed to get done, but I found and and she was phenomenal, great, great at what she did. But as it, as it rolled out. I had her doing a lot of the things that were lower down on the things that she really liked to do. And it, it burned her out. And she, we, we, had, we, you know, she ended up leaving after, after years and she was unbelievable at everything she did, but it didn't align just like you're talking about to her goals and my goals were, were not aligned. And that could have been resolved by following a hiring process. Like you mentioned. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've lost, you know, over the years, I've lost some great talent because I wasn't, you know, they were the right person in the wrong seat or worse, they had untapped potential and I wasn't actually giving them what they needed to continue to grow. And so, you know, these are the the, the battle wounds that you, you suffer in that education process, but, you know, you, you hopefully take from that and sort of build to, how, how do I go again? And, you know, that's, again, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the perpetual cycle of just trying to better ourselves and learn. Absolutely. I mean, building successful teams is, is key to obviously having a successful business. Um, can we transition and talk about uh, bear markets now? <laughs> and like what we, cause I think there's a, I think there's correlation obviously uh, to, to your teams and your structures and your processes to how you, how you handle, uh, a downturn in the economy, which we're clearly going through. This one's kind of weird. Uh, I'm not an economist, but you know, the markets are down, inflation's up, but I go to a restaurant and it's packed. Uh, so it's, I'm kind of confused about yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of economy are we really in right now? Uh, but there's going to be a lot of, I think, potentially negative pressures coming to businesses. I mean, we've experienced supply chain. Hopefully that's done but we'll find out um but all these different things i mean i think inflation is a big one i think price the pressure on prices and how we price our products and all of that are going to be interesting but in general if you're if we're running a business then you watch the news it's filled with fear it's all negativity you know all these bad things are happening um how do we navigate that uh through i mean and are you you've been in this space a long time you've seen Great economies and bad economies. How do we navigate this right now? So, so I would say I just want to take a step into sort of the, the Amazon ecosystem for a second, like very specifically around what we've seen over the last four years, let's call it. So <clears throat> we're all familiar with Thrasio. They were the, literally the business that invented the roll-up place specifically for Amazon brands where they go out and they buy a bunch of Amazon brands and they look to operate them at scale. And that's that's really the model. So we saw... And raise a billion dollars on the back of that. They've gone on to raise a further 2.4 in, you know, let's call it three years, three to four years. In that journey, they acquired 
250 plus businesses. They were the fastest profitable unicorn in history of the world. No, no other company has done it faster. On the back of all of those acquisitions, it turned out that they were actually, and these are profitable companies, obviously, that they're buying. They were burning cash. Uh, and so they laid off, I think, about 20% of the workforce. And what we've seen on the back of that is, you know, a number of these aggregators have actually gone bust. They've been absorbed by other aggregators. You know, the whole Thras M&A team was disbanded. It was nearly 90 people. And, you know, that they're not an isolated incident. Um, you know, a lot of businesses on the back of that had the same thing. No one's buying businesses. You know, if you're looking to sell your business right now, the multiples went last year from sort of a, I think it was from a five to an eight was sort of the, the industry benchmark. So now you're looking at anywhere from about a two to a 3.5 on a, on a good environment. And I'm talking about businesses that are doing sort of, let's say, I mean, it's, it's also shifted as well. Like let's say a year ago, you know, you might have a million dollar EBITDA business, let's call it a three, $4 million revenue business that might do a five or six. Um, and if that goes to sort of 1.5 or two, then maybe it's starting to get up to that six, seven, eight. And, you know, when you start to get enterprise value, it, it shifts. So, We've had a real restructure inside of the Amazon ecosystem where or the, the roll-up plays where about $15 billion have been invested over the last four years, where people are now trying to actually understand rather than acquisition through top-line growth, how do they actually build these for, for true scale? So, you know, they're going to have to, they've gutted their teams, you know, a lot of them, and they're looking to find reduced operating costs. So obviously, you know, some of the things that people are doing are coming and finding talent that costs far less than you know a six-figure salary in the u.s is a is a pretty easy no-brainer right mm -hmm. um what what i would say when we look at the current state is you know this isn't all doom and gloom and despair so like don't don't take that mm -hmm. from what i'm saying right now i also like thrasio fucking unbelievable what they've been able to do like take nothing away from you know what i will say is probably a blip on the radar for them or you know maybe a little longer than a blip but they'll get to where they need to get to. And, you know, they've put the right people at play and it's a great idea. And it makes sense. They also went through a really tough time with the compression, both on the Amazon side and on the supply chain logistics and everything between all the tariffs that have come out and so on and so forth. So, you know, full, full disclosure, like I was saying to you guys before, we launched this, this business, South Coal, knowing that, you know, we sort of read all the signs and, you know, we're staffing. We've built probably 10 to 15% now of the aggregators operationally through Escala and we staff just as many of them through Multiply Me. They're, you know, our biggest client base. And, you know, we've grown from a team of four to 350 in three years. And that's pretty, you know, that's pretty quick growth and it's hard. And even with the process improvement consultancy, we continue to break the things that we built. So, you know, seeing that and understanding that it just doesn't make logical sense to be able to hire a hundred people a week, consecutive weeks and, and think that it's all going to work out is, you know, you really have to be at a different level to achieve that. So now getting to sort of where we sit today in uh, what are we, October of 2022, it will shift. Like our belief is over the next 12, 18, 24 months, you know, we're going to start to see that influx, things will settle, people have that confidence because not like the capital's gone the money's still there it's just much mm -hmm. harder to get your hands on right now people are just waiting to see what's going on it's kind of like what we experienced in the start of the pandemic years ago was like 
everyone just sort of worst time ever to start a new business. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, you, you sort of waited and then people look to, to fix it. So when you're looking to go through setting the stage here, but when you're looking to go through what is right now a bear market and with your goal, assuming that it is to ultimately, you know, we can obviously make good money with a lifestyle business. It's very hard from a cash flow perspective to make any any real life-changing money when you talk about building an e-commerce business or an Amazon business as you grow. So too does your need for additional capital and that comes with all different forms of capital lending. So, you know, I would assume most people, especially knowing what Thrasio have been able to create in a market that acquires Amazon FBA businesses, creating it into its own asset class effectively, but the ultimate goal is exit. So what we're looking to do in South Colin, what I would say everyone should be looking to do is, is you're doing two things. So you're looking at your, how do I grow my multiple? So what are the things that I can do now to really increase that multiple so that when I am ready to sell and have that life-changing money come in, I'm really in the best place. You know, anyone who says you go to an investment bank or a broker, you know, it's not a it's not a thirty or ninety day uh, trend. You, you can't have any real uh, change in the actual upside of your business in a ninety day period. And anyone who tells you otherwise is you know it, it, they can build you to to ready and make you know and and cross the t's and dot the i's and you know wrap it up in a bow. But you're not actually going to be able to make tangible results. You need 12, 18, 24 months. It works on trailing 12 month EBITDA and you know sure if you've got a great investment banker they can try and have that for forward and you can do a whole lot of things here but growing the multiple right so coming back to the start of the conversation we were having where I said to you guys you know what's what's stopping you from giving the same love and attention to 30 products as it is three it's the same thing as what's stopping you from launching 50 products a year and not five and so a lot of that comes down to process. And again, I'm just using my, my current day examples here. But like one of the things that we're looking to do in South Pole is you as the founder of the business, we're trying to remove you operationally to anything that's not going to grow that multiple as quickly as humanly possible. So we're going to sit you down. I'd say for anyone who can build the systems and processes and bring in the people to remove themselves operationally from things like PPC. These are all critical things. You need them to run the business, but they're not going to grow your multiple. PPC management, you know, design work, copywriting, EBC, uh, you know, chasing up whatever, right? Um, seller support, the worst, the worst of it all. <laughs> the worst one. You know, you know, these things are business critical, but they don't need to be used. So finding ways in which you can remove yourself operationally, and if you're really smart, you can actually reduce those operating uh, expenses so so really enhancing that SDE so if you can like we've been talking a lot about VAs if you can bring in low cost high value talent or if you can build a process where you systemize your business based on how we look at it people process and technology and you really sort of close that loop where you're not you're no longer the critical uh, person inside of it then all of a sudden you could potentially build out what are the next 20 products look like what are, the, you know, what are the manufacturers I'm going to work with? What's the patents that I'm going to look to actually develop around it? You don't even necessarily have to bring this to market. You don't need to launch all of these products because if you put yourself in the, uh, in, in, with a buyer's hat on, especially for prospective buyers, let's say that they're not a strategic 
or they're not a PE fund and they're not at that level where they have that level of foresight, you give them the roadmap of what the next two years of the products that they're going to need to launch with the full blueprint of who you're speaking to, what the, you know, what the margins are, what the launch strategy is, all of a sudden that is a lot more attractive to a significantly larging, larger buyer pool. And what's more is if you can actually document the process of what that looks like and how you iterate and build product and you remove yourself, you know, in terms of the value that you bring as much as humanly possible, then that's obviously going to have intrinsic value and increase that multiple. And, and on the other side, finding ways to reduce that operating cost and, and being very intelligent is going to have obviously some lasting things. So I'd say um, in short, like to, to sort of summarize some of the points here is if you can find intelligent ways to systemize and reduce the operating costs of your business and then focus on the things that let's call a spade a spade here, the things that we all love and that's inventing and creating and building product. If you can get yourself into that seat that really, you know, I'd be shocked if any founder listening in here didn't say that's the thing that I hate doing is coming up with new brand and product ideas. Um, you know, you, you're going to be able to go a whole lot further as well. So I know it was a long-winded answer, but we're also just scratching the surface, but, but that's, that's what I got for you. I love, I love that stuff. That. I love that kind of like building the brand, launching products, doing product research, getting quotes, you know, all that kind of is the, is the, is the fun part of it. But doing the books and getting the listing set up and inventory. Like, I don't want to mess with that stuff, <laughs> but um, I like the the process of it when setting up the process. Uh, sometimes I think you just need to take yourself out of the nitty gritty and just start writing down. Okay. Here's what I got to do. Get a sample, get, figure out the sample, uh, negotiate costs. Like writing it out is something and something I've done here in my own office is just get like a big dry erase board and just, Write out the process so I can visually see it uh, when I, when I'm doing that to make sure that I follow that exact little flow there. So mm -hmm. I could go down and rabbit hole on this. We, I was <laughs> going to say we could do a whole nother session on how you can build out your processes for your business that that is going to serve you in the long term. But we ain't going to make it here today. No. Well, we <laughs> give me another. Give me another book. Uh, you said the uh, the who uh, who the method of hiring. What other good book do you got uh, that you recommend? <sighs> I have tons. Um, <laughs> that, right that, so, so I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of my favorites. I'm trying to think though that relates to people who are listening. So, so one of the books that I love uh, is Traction EOS. It's called EOS: Get a Grip on Your Business, and it's a business operating system or the entrepreneurial operating system is what EOS stands for that helps you get vision and traction in your business for teams between five and 250 and it's it's an absolute game changer we've implemented it years ago and i can't tell you sort of the, the value it adds um if you're managing people i think a great one by liz wiseman called multipliers which is actually where we took the name multiply me from <laughs> um and it's all about how the best managers and leaders make those around them great and you know it's a deep dive into sort of a study that they did. Um, good to great, Jim Collins, another oh, absolute yeah, classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'll stop there. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll those stop are great. There. Well, I got um, more on my reading list. I love it. Um, Yanni, you will have you back on. Uh, we'd love to talk about systems processes. I mean, anything else, obviously you're a wealth of knowledge. We could go down a lot of rabbit holes. 
Uh, but we really appreciate uh, you joining us today. It's been it's been fantastic. Uh, I want to let you let everybody know you've you've talked about uh, Escala and Multiply Me. Uh, there's going to be people who have listened to this and are very interested in, in learning more, starting a conversation with you. How can they uh, get in touch with you or find out more about your businesses? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the best way would I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, Yanni Kosminski uh, at LinkedIn on LinkedIn or, you know, you can see the websites cruising down the screen here. Literally, Yanni at southcoal.co or multiplyme.com or weareescala.com. You get me directly on any of them. That'd be best. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, clearly, you've got your processes in place if you're managing all of that right now, all three of those. Um, so, yeah, we'll, everyone, please check all those out. Um, it's, it's fascinating what you're doing, Yanni, and we will have you back on. So, again, thanks for joining us and Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back at this again tomorrow. Have a great one, everybody. Another one.